the Victorian Country Hour with Warwick Long on ABC Radio Victoria. A shrinking milk production pool and supplies claimed another victim with Saputo announcing today that the Mafra factory will close. There will also be cuts at a lean Gatha dairy factory owned by Saputo as well as cuts in a South Australian plant as well. The company will join you shortly to explain it in its words exactly what is to happening to happen. We'll also go to Mafra today to talk about what the cuts will mean for that community and we'll hear from unions as well. Also on the program we've heard yesterday that the Warrnambool sale yards are set to close. Well it's sale day so we'll send a reporter down there to find out what the mood is like from cattle producers there at the Warrnambool sale yards today, knowing that those yards won't be around for much longer. Let's get some rural news with Luke Radford today. Good afternoon, Luke. Thanks, Was. Making rural news this Wednesday, the federal government has announced it will review the immigration system to make it simpler and stop the rorting and exploitation of workers, which could have major implications for farmers. The ag sector relies on seasonal workers and professionals to cover shortages in key areas and at key times. But some of those schemes have been plagued by shonky labour hire companies employing people on tourist visas for low wages and poor conditions. The Australian Workers' Union wants to see that tightened up with a national system of registrations for employers, tax file numbers for all employees and a pick-it-up-and-go system to enable workers to move around. Daniel Walton, National Secretary of the AWU, says it's long overdue. Well, ultimately what we want to see is complete transparency, that is, there's proper rigour process around assessing who can bring workers in. We want to see workers have the capacity to be able to up and go, that is, that is if you're a visa worker working in agriculture and you find yourself on a bad farm, that you can shift and change employer. That doesn't happen at the moment. What happens for workers, if you raise complaints from farms at the moment, for a lot of them, particularly our friends in the Pacific, is they get told they're on the next plane back home to bring shame to their community. And so we've seen countless, countless investigations. You know, this will be another one, which will no doubt point out all the problems, but I'm hopeful now that with the change of government, there's an appetite here to actually fix it at the end of the day. Western Australian Agriculture Minister Alana McTiernan is leaving state politics early next year. The Upper House MP first entered politics in the early 1990s. She's had 13 years as a minister, including planning and infrastructure in the early 2000s and agriculture in the current McGowan government. I guess sort of like one of the weird things about me, I always think I haven't done enough and and I'm now thinking of what I need to get done so, look, as I said, it's, uh, it's you know, I know I've put my heart and soul into it. It's been a great opportunity. I mean, it really is an incredible privilege, but it is bloody hard work. And I think I've uh, operated at that level, I think, long enough now, and I'm absolutely ready to hand over the baton. A consortium of farmers, industry and scientists is launching a bid to massively expand Australia's hemp crop. The hemp CRC bid is asking the federal government to match $50 million worth of support already pledged by industry to establish a cooperative research centre to reverse what it says is 80 years of neglect. The bid's interim chief executive, University of Southern Queensland Professor Gavin Ash, wants to see the national crop expanded from the current 2,300 hectares to more than 100,000 over the next decade. So hemp is one of these wonder crops. We can use hemp for nutrition, 
we can use it for medicine, we can use it in cosmetics, we can use it in animals and humans, we can use it in building materials, so we can use it to replace plastics. We can sequester as much carbon in a hemp field as a young pine forest, a 10-year-old pine forest does, only in 120 days. An environmental scientist is hopeful floods and increased rainfall won't lead to a massive influx of European carp in Gippsland. The invasive fish can use floodplains to spawn during periods of high rainfall. However, research scientist at the Arthur Ryler Institute, Jared Lyon, says the success of the spawnings is hard to predict as they compete against native fish for food and habitat. There's a fairly stable population, you know, sort of in the sale, latrobe type area of carp. Um, and some fairly big ones. What we've seen, though, sort of throughout the range of carp, and that's in the Murray-Darling Basin and southeast Australia and up the coast of New South Wales, is they did have this huge boom in the 80s, 70s and 80s, where they were everywhere, and people would probably remember that. And we've seen that slowly decline. And the Tasmanian oyster industry has developed new technology to better understand pollution risks during rainfall events. Josh Dwyer from Creator SenseRight says the device, which looks like a big round esky, can be remotely triggered to take samples of water, helping growers to get a more accurate picture of water quality. What we've got is a, an ISCO auto sampler. So it's a device that's going to sit out on the water uh, and take samples based on automatic data that comes through on the boxes that we build. Uh, so it will sit and take up to 24 samples over a certain amount of time uh, that the growers will then go out and collect uh, and then those samples will be taken back to the labs uh, and then science will be done on those, basically. And that's the latest Rural News. Thanks very much for that. Luke Radford there with Rural News. Now, a bit of a programming note today. Yesterday on the program, I did tell you we were going to hear from Opposition Leader in Victoria Matthew Guy, the Liberal leader, with his pitch to rural and regional and agricultural voters, obviously while the campaign is going on, has been in our Shepparton studios and spoken about all of that and more. We will not bring that to you today because of the news of Saputo's cuts to dairy factories and processing in the state and also what's going on at the Warrnambool sale yards. We will bring you that interview tomorrow on the program. So my apologies for not delivering what I promised, but uh, we'll bring that to you on the program tomorrow. Please uh, be involved with your commentary then. The Victorian Country Hour with Warwick Long on ABC Radio Victoria. One of the few shows where a political leader will be dropped for major dairy news, and rightly so. Let's get into it. Dairy giant Saputo has announced that it will shut one dairy factory and close some operations at two others as declining milk production in Australia hits its bottom line. The factory at Mafra in Gippsland will close. A powder line at Leangatha will shut along with cheese packing operations at Millel in South Australia. Over 70 jobs will go. Leanne Cutts is the President and Chief Operating Officer for International and Europe with Saputo, which covers Saputo's Australian operations, and I spoke to her a short time ago. Yes, today we've announced some consolidation initiatives which are looking to improve our overall efficiency and competitiveness. So they do impact the number of our sites um, across, our, some, uh, across our network in Australia. So MAFRA will be shut, Lee and Gatha will lose its powder line and Millel in South Australia will lose its cheese packaging area. Is that correct? Correct. And, Warwick, many of those 
impacted production and packaging functions at those three facilities will be absorbed or integrated into other facilities across the network. Um, and it's business as usual for our customers and consumers, so they can still buy the brands that they love, whether it's Devendal or Cheer or King Island. So no change to to the products and brands. Can you tell us where you're planning on on moving or absorbing those other facilities too, the, the factories that will pick up the slack? All of this will happen over the, the, first, the first three months of 2023. Is this the start of consolidation from Saputo or should the Australian market expect further consolidation to come? Well, we're always reviewing uh, a network uh, to look at optimisation opportunities. Uh, because we want to make sure we continue to be like efficient um, and strengthen our position. We're a high-quality, low-cost processor, and the actions that we've taken today will continue to be able to develop that within the Australian market. You know, we're committed to the Australian dairy industry. Uh, we value, we want every litre of milk. Um, so we, we're focused on putting it into those products and markets that offer the highest return. So should Lean Gatha or Millel be worried that they will be set for closure soon, like MAFRA is being announced today? We're always reviewing the network, uh, Warwick, and so we'll continue to do that. We do that as part of our global strategic plan. We do that across all the divisions, uh, and Australia is no, no exception. At the same time, you know, every litre of milk is really important to us, and we want to make sure we put it to the best possible use. Their future could be in the balance. Well, we're, you know, we're always reviewing. So that's something that we do across all of our sites. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's no exception, Warwick. How many jobs will go as part of this restructure? You know, our priority is supporting employees. Uh, it is a difficult time. This was a difficult decision. Uh, approximately 75 employees will be impacted. Uh, it was one, a decision that we didn't take easily. Uh, we're acutely aware of the impacts to our employees. And so our immediate focus is to support our teams through this period. That includes discussing redeployment and retraining opportunities. And where those alternative roles may not be available, then obviously our impacted employers will be provided with the appropriate severance and outplacement support. Do you have an, a breakdown of, of where the jobs will go? For example, I believe sort of 18 to 20 staff were left at, at MAFRA. Can you provide further details on that? Not at this time. I uh, said, you know, we're, we're focusing at the moment, really. Our immediate focus today is on supporting the, the teams through this period. When will the MAFRA site close? All this is going to happen over the first three months of 2023. So we're in discussion now on that. And when Simputo bid to buy Murray Goulburn, it made a commitment to keep operating MAFRA for five years. This closure would be right around that deadline. Did, did that commitment form part of your decision-making here? When we when we when we acquired Mr. Murray Goldman at the time, we made you know we we obviously were also looking at um, the, at the overall milk production in Australia, um, and we know that nationally the industry continues to adapt to that declining milk pool. Um, it, there, there is intense competition for milk, uh, and at the same time, Australia's high quality milk is still in really strong demand worldwide. So our, our review shows actually a smaller milk pool can still be really profitable for us. 
And that's why we want to focus on maximising that value of every litre. Saputo, by the sounds of it, is still confident in its position in Australia. You still have plans for Australia? Absolutely. We're committed to the Australian dairy industry, our farmers in our regions. Uh, Leanne Cutts, thanks very much for your time. I know it, it is tight, but thanks for joining us on the Country Hour. Thank you very much, Warwick. That is all the time we got with Leanne Cutts, who's the President and Chief Operating Officer for International and Europe, including Saputo's Australians Operations uh, with Saputo, speaking to you about the decision to close the MAFRA factory and to shut the powder line at Gatha, as well as shutting its cheese packaging area at Millel in South Australia, leading to 75 job cuts by Saputo in the Australian operations. There was this warning that this was coming from Lino Saputo Jr. to markets in Canada earlier this year saying that uh, things weren't performing that well in Australia and uh, that has obviously continued. This on the text line on 0467 842 722 says, Warwick, she sounds like a politician. Chris says, Warwick, I wonder what will become of uh, big dairy farms around Mafra, Tanamba, Riversley, Nambrock. Many of those properties milk over 700 cows and they won't be able to send milk to Lee and Gatha. Lee and Gatha will still be... Um, operating, oh, says the, so the MAFRA closure won't just affect the dairy factory workers. Chris, every dairy company needs every litre of milk it can get at the moment. This is part of the problem with uh, these closures here is there simply isn't enough milk to go to all the factories that are operating at the moment. So I do believe a lot of the dairy farmers who are milking in that area will still be able to find a home for their milk. What it does to competition and pricing might be another question for another day. Donna says, this had to happen. Supply management at its best industry treated farmers poorly for years and now they wonder why dairy farmers are getting out of the industry in droves. You can keep your comments coming in or you can indeed call. We'd love to speak to you today, 1300 977 if you'd like to call us on the country. 1300 Are you in Langengatha? Are you in Mafra? Mafra's about to lose its factory, the biggest building really in the town. What will it mean to that community? Let's speak about that community right now. The Nationals member for Gippsland East is Tim Bull, and he uh, spoke to me a little bit earlier today when I did ask about the future of the factory site and what this means to the MAFRA community. And I started, though, by asking Tim Bull what was his reaction to the news that MAFRA's factory was about to shut. Yeah, look, it's obviously not the best news, Warwick, um, and it's disappointing when Saputo make these announcements without giving us a briefing. I have discussed this with them before and they told me they would rectify that. But obviously the first that we hear of it is when we get a media statement sent to us by the media, uh, which is disappointing. You would hope to get a briefing beforehand. Uh, And just on that, one of the undertakings that I'll be seeking from Saputo is that they support these remaining workers at MAFRA uh, very strongly to transition them into other jobs. And, and that's something, a discussion I certainly look forward to having with them. Do you think this announcement will be a surprise to the MAFRA community? No, look, I don't. Uh, the MAFRA community saw the writing on the wall when there was a significant downsizing in the last 12 months. So I don't think this will come as a huge shock uh, to either the workers or the MAFRA community. But it's always disappointing when you're losing jobs out of a rural town. So uh, whilst it uh, will be no shock, it's still not good news for MAFRA. Uh, But, you know, I have a lot of optimism for MAFRA. It is a vibrant uh, and growing community. And I guess, Warwick, 
if, if you look at the big scale of things, if these things are, are ever going to happen and are ever going to be announced, uh, it comes at a time when there are, I guess, plenty of sectors looking for workforce. So there are plenty of job opportunities around in our rural and regional communities. And if these things are to happen, you know, in all honesty, it's probably not a bad time. But we need to make sure these workers are transitioned appropriately into new jobs. Yeah, because the risk here is you lose people from from small country towns, don't you? If if a major employer decides to shut up shop, yeah, that's right. And and obviously with East Gippsland facing the uh, the end of the timber industry uh, under this current government, creates a lot of uncertainty when uh, when jobs are taken away from rural and regional areas. The other issue at play here is the major factory site it's a pretty big building in mafra and and what used to be a hive of activity in the town as well what do you hope happens to that site what do you want saputo to do with it yeah look funnily enough warwick i was thinking about that uh after you sent through the announcement to me in the short amount of time that we've had uh and look it is a big site and it's in the heart of mafra we do have a number of community groups in that area that are looking for homes. Hopefully we can uh, get Saputo together with the Wellington Shire Council uh, and come up with some sort of a plan to utilise that building for the betterment of the community. Uh, it's, it's a site that's obviously been a milk processing factory for, for quite some time. but Yeah, because in the past, I suppose, factory owners have not wanted competitors who will compete for things like milk to move in and use those sites. So many have fallen into a state of disrepair in in the centre of towns. I'd imagine that would be the last thing you're hoping for. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and one good news story coming out of Maffer is one of the oldest, um, or I think it was the first milk processing plant in the town and the first iceworks is currently being converted into a uh, significant entertainment centre. Uh, by by some local uh, go-getters, if you like. A couple of, couple of prominent ladies in the town are doing that. And you would hope a building of this size could certainly be utilised uh, to the benefit of, of, if not only MAFRA, but the wider East Gippsland community. Will you be looking to talk to Saputo? Absolutely. I'm, I'm disappointed, Warwick, that I uh, haven't had a heads up and news of this has come uh, through the ABC. Yes, I will certainly be seeking Saputo out uh, and talk to them on an, you know, on a number of fronts. One, obviously, first and foremost, is the transition of workers and the supports they're going to be putting in place. Uh, but secondly, the future of that site and whether they have any uh, plans and, and what they are prepared to do in relation to transitioning that into a community facility of some sort. That is Tim Bull, who is the member for Gippsland East, speaking about what. The closure of the Mafra factory will mean for the Mafra community. And also on the line, we have Neil Smith as well, who is the the dairy organiser with the United Workers Union, can join you now. Neil Smith, welcome to the country. Yeah, g'day, Rob. How are you going? First things first, it's the workers losing their jobs who are at the heart of a decision like this today. We're often talking about the the communities and uh, the, the industry around it, but... Um, how has this news been met by those who are working at Leangatha and at Mafra and at Millel? Well, I think um, I think it's a bit of a, it's quite a shock for for Leangatha. We sort of that we weren't really expecting that. Mafra's been operating this year at about twenty five percent, 
um, which is really unfortunate, but declining from 50% to 25% with the, with the announcement earlier this year. Um, so I guess it was on the cards. It doesn't help, um, you know, echoing what um, Tim said, it just doesn't help regional communities where these, these places are the lifeblood of the town and often, you know, that's what, that's what the economy relies on in, in a community. It's what keeps, keeps the, the, the butcher open and, and that sort of stuff um, and keeps, keeps schools alive. And it's really important. We've watched too many go down. Um, Rochester, Lidgeville, Simpson, um, Dennington recently. And that's why we're actually, with our new, new round of bargaining, we, we want to um, make companies, when they have a decision to do this, they've got to sit down with all of the community um, so sporting clubs, schools, uh, you know, the, the council, and talk about the impacts of, of what these decisions make to the community to try and and, and help the community um, sustainable um, in the future. Yeah, and often, and many of those examples you just provided, um, often these small communities built around a factory are left with these huge, soulless, decaying buildings in the middle of their town because um, the, groups, the groups that have closed them won't want to sell them to a competitor and that can hold back any new jobs coming to a town as well and I'd imagine that's a concern for workers and their communities. Absolutely. Um, a few years ago, our big concern was around making these companies um, sell, sell the companies because we had people that wanted to buy these facilities at, at you know, Rochi and Dennington, um, same as Tony um, with, with Nestle, uh, and the companies just wouldn't sell because of competition. We're in a completely opposite situation to that now, where the, the milk pool has shrunk so much. Um, there isn't enough, there's just not enough to, to keep them going, and that's the problem. Um, I think it is a, it's a crisis right now. Like it's because, because of these, the, the input costs on farmers are too much. Climate-related related issues just don't stop. It's drought, floods, fires, uh, the pressure from the supermarkets to driving down with pressure on costs. We don't pay enough for Australian dairy. Um, and that's... Um, it's just a massive problem. I think you know, the, the government needs to actually step up and save this industry. It's just... It's not, it's not going to... It can't continue the way it's going. There's no confidence for farmers or their kids to, to continue in the industry. It's just... It's not okay. Like we've got you know well over four thousand members and families um, involved in this industry, and they are and and ninety percent of those are in tiny country towns because that's where the, that's where the, that's where the cows are, um, and that's where the factories are. It's just such so disappointing to watch it shrink to the to, to the point where it's flipped, where there was so much milk, um, and and now there's just just not enough to go around. So that's why companies, I think every company is going to be looking at maximising their I mean, you know, powder takes a lot of milk and there's not enough money in it now. So they, that's what they're going to, you know, cheese and butters and, and that sort of stuff. So that's it's, I think it's a problem for the whole industry and I think government needs to step up. And just with that, Neil Smith, what, what about the negotiations for workers and their packages and, and how they will leave these companies when their jobs are gone? Uh, what are you hoping for there? Well, well certainly... Um, Fortunately for the Saputo Agreement, the one that the Murray Global one that they took over, it's a, it's part of a, a, a long-standing agreement which has quite a decent um, redundancy package in it. But it, I guess first and foremost, it's it's first of all voluntary. Um, so you know, hopefully, they're, well, I guess given this situation, 
it's no good for, for MAFRA because it's completely shutting, but we do have in the agreement there's an ability for people to be able to swap sites. So if, it's, if someone, like if one of those uh, MAFRA people wanted to go to, to Lee and Gatha um, and someone else at Lee and Gatha wanted to be done, see, there is that provision in that agreement, so that's something we've negotiated sort of recently. Um, but it is it is all voluntary, which which I think is decent. There's It's a decent package um, as long as you're, I guess, ready to retire or get a job straight away. Otherwise, redundancies are no good for anyone. Um, and, yeah, I think we just need to work with the company to make sure that they do retrain. I know there are other parts of the business. Um, you know, Saputo are, are struggling to get tanker drivers, uh, so maybe they can train them to, to drive the tank, tankers um, and, and get a new career. Yeah, have you heard from many of the workers at the affected sites today? How are they feeling? I only spoke to a couple of delegates who have been just, you know, shocked, um, really. Uh, and, yeah, we, Do I, you know how many jobs are going at the Lee and Gather site? The company wouldn't confirm earlier. Do you know those, those numbers? Oh, well, I, think, I think it's under 20, um, and that includes... Um, that's that's like everyone that's relate, in, involved in that. So that's management, maintenance, and and the production employee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Neil Smith, we thank you for your time today on the program, um, and and thanks for joining us and, and giving us your perspective and the workers' perspective. Yeah, great. No worries. Thanks for thanks for it. That is Neil Smith, who is a dairy organizer with United Workers Union, speaking to you there uh, about the situation in the dairy industry and what's facing the workers of uh, milk processing plants. Coming up after the news, we'll head to the Warrnambool sale yards where there's been news, news of a closure there. We brought you that news yesterday. It's sale day today. So we'll go there with our reporter, Jane McNaughton, to see how people are feeling about the closure of the sale yards to come in Warrnambool and what it means to that community. There's also threats of legal action to a new cattle industry body uh, in Australia, and we'll bring you some details on that as well. But right now, let's find out what's making regional news headlines with Rio Davis today. Good afternoon, Rio. Good afternoon, Warwick. Making news around regional Victoria, a major dairy producer will permanently close one of its facilities and will scale back production at another in eastern Victoria. Canadian-based Saputo says 75 employees will be affected at its MAFRA facility to close early next year, and bulk powder production will stop in Leangatha in South Gippsland. It will also close its cheese packaging production at Millal in South Australia. Ballarat Clarendon College has told the ABC it's started its own internal review after allegations of workplace bullying. Victoria's Independent Education Union has confirmed it's investigating the allegations. A spokesperson for the IAU says it's surveying all current staff and is seeking former staff as part of its probe. The IAU will submit a final report to the school board. An earthquake rocked South Gippsland last night. Foster experienced a magnitude 2.8 earthquake just after 9 o'clock. The earthquake happened at a depth of 6.12 kilometres. Victoria Police are increasing their presence on coastal areas across the state to ensure people are safe over summer. Operation Summer Safe will see police presence increase in coastal towns from now until the end of March next year. Police will keep watch over beaches and surrounding areas for drunkenness, illicit substances, violence, risk-taking behaviour and drink or impaired driving. 
And the Royal Automotive Club of Victoria is urging drivers to be wary of potholes, even when driving on roads authorities have not yet closed. The RACV says large potholes have the potential to cause severe damage to tyres, wheel suspension, exhaust, body and loss of vehicle control. Their head of policy, James Williams, says around 62,000 potholes have been recorded, but there's likely to be many more following the extensive rain. For more regional news at any time, you can visit www.abc.net.au forward slash news. Thanks very much for that, Rio. Rio Davis there with regional news headlines. On ABC Radio Victoria, you're with Warwick Long for the Victorian Country Hour. You are indeed. Many of your thoughts coming in on Saputo shutting factories at Mafra, but also shutting a line at the Leangatha uh, site as well as Millel in South Australia. Uh, this one comes in. Uh, Leanne Cutts, who was speaking through from uh, Saputo earlier, someone says, I can't believe her name is Leanne Cutts. Talk about nominative, nominative determinism. There we go. I spat out the word. Uh, I always think that's unfortunate when it's someone's name. Anyway, this one says, when we supplied Saputo, we were two to $300,000 behind other factories in income, says Hans in Tanamba. Uh, this one says, it's not just jobs, it's also less food being produced. That's coming from Vince as well. Uh, Warwick in 71, when I worked in Mafra, every second person was employed in the milk factory. It was by far the biggest employer in the whole district. And during the time, Murray Goulburn had other factories in South Gippsland as well, in Dumbulk, Merbu North and Langatha. I used to assist a family member to wash tankers at Merbu North. And from memory, there were 100 tankers each night to be washed. Chris, that's a wonderful memory. Thank you. Obviously, things have, have certainly changed a lot but it is great to have that history thanks for supplying that uh keep the text coming right now though let's go to the bureau to find out what's happening weather-wise for the rest of this week particularly with that sunday which we're keeping an eye on christy johnston is a senior forecaster at the bureau of meteorology and called us because there's phone gremlins in the system again which we're always grateful for christy which puts you at the top of the list of favorite forecasters i hope you don't mind oh happy to be there (laughs) what's it looking like around victoria today Look, it's a it's a pretty nice day actually. In fact, it's it's probably going to be one of the nicer days for the follow uh, for the coming week. Um, we've had plenty of sunshine this morning. Uh, we've got some cloud popping up now uh, across the state. There will be some of some of that that will get tall enough to give us the odd shower or two. Maybe even a rumble of thunder, most likely over the eastern part of the state, um, the eastern ranges, the uh, Yarra ranges, maybe some of the central ranges into Gippsland as well. Um, are the most likely places, but there might be the odd shower and maybe even the odd rumble of thunder elsewhere as well. Um, it's pretty warm. We've already gotten up to 30 degrees at uh, at Hopeton, 30.2. Mildura's on 29.9, so um, pretty warm. We are expecting temperatures to get up into the, the low 30s in the Mallee today, 34 for Mildura forecast maximum, 31 at Swan Hill. Uh, rest of the state looking at getting into the high 20s uh, maybe a little cooler in Gippsland, 25 at Bensdale, 26 at Sale. Um, but yeah, pretty nice weather and enjoy it because things do take a bit of a turn tomorrow. There's a, a system that's moving across South Australia today and it's going to move into Victoria tomorrow, uh, bringing showers and thunderstorms, um, some of which may be severe, particularly over the western districts, particularly the, the western parts of the Mallee-Wimmera and southwest. Um, those are most likely to produce, in terms of severe weather, uh, damaging wind gusts and also possibly localised heavy rainfall, although probably the wind gusts are more likely. 
Um, we do have uh, the potential also with, with those damaging wind gusts and high to extreme pollen across much of the state, um, a bit of an elevated thunderstorm asthma risk as well. So uh, there's a moderate risk through all the uh, central and western districts for tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah, possibly somewhere like the Wimmera could be uh, at particular risk. So, um, yeah, something else to watch there. In terms of temperatures, still pretty warm tomorrow, looking at most places getting into the mid to high 20s, maybe just sticking up to 31 at Mildura. And that system moves across on Friday, so those showers and thunderstorms will slowly progress eastwards, mostly affecting central and eastern parts on Friday. Uh, a bit, little bit less risk of those uh, damaging wind gusts on Friday, but there still could be the localised uh, heavy rainfall with thunderstorms. And that's the um, taste of things to come, really, isn't it, as we move towards the weekend? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that does clear away on Saturday, but there's another system that comes in later on Saturday and then moves across sort of Saturday evening uh, overnight and into Sunday. And that's uh, going to be the, the next wet system. That's probably actually wetter than the system that's coming through Thursday, Friday. Um, so we'll be watching that. There's, there's also, once again, the potential for thunderstorms possibly severe uh, with um, wind, rain, maybe even large hail and, uh, and um, yeah, decent rainfall totals, particularly through the eastern ranges uh, on Sunday is a bit of a focus, as it so often is, um, with the potential for sort of 60 to 80 millimetres potentially even up in, in some of those places uh, over the two days. Um, and, yeah, with thunderstorms, there could be falls of 30 to 40 millimetres across the place. It's going to be hit and miss with those heaviest totals, but Sunday does look like a fairly wet day across the state. I heard um, from a, a farmer in the Yachuca area today. I was quite worried about this, thinking it looked like on some of the maps they were looking at, at a lot of the rain falling in, in their part of the world. Um, can you can you tell us sort of that outlook for the, the uh, Yachuca north of Shepparton sort of region? Yeah, so for that sort of area, um, look, there'll be showers and thunderstorms tomorrow and Friday, but we're probably looking at more around that sort of 5 to 10 millimetre range, uh, unless you happen to get a thunderstorm come right over the top, in which case there could be sort of maybe 10 to 20. Um, but uh, probably the wettest time for that area is looking like Sunday, uh, where we'll see, or maybe late Saturday into Sunday, um, where we could see sort of 5 to 20, well, 10 to 20 millimetres, I guess, across that sort of area. Um, and then, yeah, maybe even locally higher with, with thunderstorms. But um, it's, it's not looking, you know, devastatingly wet. Um, any of those heavier falls should be quite localised. Um, so we're, we're not looking at, like, catchment-wide rainfall totals that, that are likely to... Um, well, I don't want to say what, that they're not going to have an impact on the rivers because they will. The rivers yeah. rise at any rainfall is giving an impact to the rivers, but hopefully nothing that's going to, to give huge issues. Um, we are monitoring it, obviously, and uh, um, our hydrologists are assessing the rainfall forecast, particularly for that Saturday night, Sunday rainfall, um, and a flood watch is likely to be issued, I think, tomorrow afternoon to looking at which catchments may be affected by that sort of rainfall. So um, it's being monitored and information will be coming out. There will be rises or everything's so wet, the water's got nowhere to go. It's got to go into the rivers. But, um, yeah, we're not looking at sort of 100 millimetres that, that could, you know, have have huge impacts. Mm. The, the question's just uh, probably more up places around, like, yeah, the, the far, the northeast. Um, but, yeah, that that's still a bit uncertain. Some of our modelling has... You know, 
up to 60 to 100 millimetres, some of it's more or sort of the 40 to 60 millimetres. So still a bit uncertain at this stage in terms of just those higher rainfall totals, but uh, we'll be watching that over coming days. Certainly so. That's good information. Thank you for that. And, and Christy, just beyond that sort of Sunday into Monday rainfall event, is there, is there anything just to keep an eye on further out into the forecast? Look, uh, that system does tend to start moving away on Monday. So there's still showers and thunderstorms on Monday. They'll be mostly contracting to sort of near and south of the ranges. Uh, we do have some cooler air coming in. We may even see some snow, alpine snow, later on Monday. Uh, so a big change of air mass. Uh, by Tuesday, we've mostly lost the thunderstorm risk. There could be a few maybe around East Gippsland, um, but it's more just sort of showers on, on and south of the ranges, maybe some snow above about 1,100 metres. And then by Wednesday, we're sort of basically back to, to mostly settled conditions and it looks fairly settled for the second half of next week, early indications. Um, there may be another system coming next weekend, but that's very much into fantasy land in the, in the future. So, um, yeah, it looks like uh, things do start to settle down after, after Sunday. We do still have showers and storms hanging around Monday, maybe a bit into Tuesday, but the trend is for it to be becoming more settled towards the middle of the week. There's certainly many a paddock being tested right now with tractors to find out if they're, they're firm enough to get on and get some harvesting or any sort of work done before that rain coming through. So all of the information is greatly uh, received. Christy, thanks for the update. No problem. Thanks, Warwick. Christy Johnson, a senior forecaster at the Bureau of Meteorology and calling without the phone lines working. So you know what that means on this program. You've become a fan favourite. You're with Warwick Long for the Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. Just on the uh, the idea of the, the closure of MAFRA, the factory, the Saputo factory being closed there, a lot of that information is coming through at the moment. Many of you uh, wanting to have your say or memories about the factory as well. Uh, Nigel at Vespa says, can I put forward that we nationalise the site with no compensation, says Nigel at Vespa. Uh, this one says, Warwick, my dad was the first bulk milk tanker driver at this factory when it was MAFCO. In the early 60s, what a shame. It's closing, says Perry at Mossy Face. Uh, Perry, thank you very much for that text as well. Plenty more coming in. We'll go to those as we can. But then, speaking of closures, the Mafra Dairy Factory isn't the only thing shutting up to. Uh, 100 people at the Warrnambool Cattle Sales today have been questioning the decision by their local council to close it. Warrnambool City Council voted to close the South West Victorian Livestock Exchange after councillors voted 4-3 to three to decommission the site in a meeting earlier this week. Well, it's sale day. You're going to hear the results of the sale on the program shortly, but we did send reporter Jane McNaughton down to see what the mood was like at the sale and can join you now. Jane, take us there. Where do we find you today? Yes, was uh, yeah. I'm here in Warrnambool today, and although there has been some uh, in what the community says is sad news, there is still a very vibrant community vibe here. I've just had to actually step out of the canteen because it was too loud, and you wouldn't have been able to hear me amongst all of the uh, talking and catching up that the farmers are doing just in between sales here. Uh, speaking of farmers, I have pulled a couple of locals aside. Uh, Jim Madden joins me now. Jim, uh, what? What does this decision mean for you that the sale yards are going to be closing at the end at the end of June next year? Uh, well, I'm very uh, disappointed with the council's decision. Uh, I've been coming here for probably 60 years, and over the last 10 years, I've been doing a fair bit of buying and selling cattle. I buy younger steers 
250, 300 kilo steers and heifers and put 100 or 150 back around those cattle and then bring them back to sell at store sales. And uh, I feel that uh, it will have a massive effect on both my operation and also on the uh, community, the district farmers who uh, spread from a large area west of Port Ferry to Haywood and east to uh, uh, almost Terang and all that uh, HB area. Uh, a lot of the cattle and Warnable has been known as a high quality prime market. A lot of the good steers that come out of the uh, southern western district uh, sold here and uh, good following from Tees and uh, JBS in buying those sort of cattle and uh, uh, I think it's a shame that the thing is going to come to an end. In fact I found it hard to believe with the way the vote went on Monday night and um, I don't think the council fully understands the repercussions that this will have on the Western District community. So whereabouts in this district do you live, Jim? I'm approximately uh, 20 k's west of here, midway between Warrnambool and Port Ferry, on uh, the volcanic soil there. So the council has suggested that people can just go to Mortlake. Is that something that you think is a viable option for everyone that's here today? Well, it's going to be, the way the council see it, it's going to be the only option. Uh, there are other options of direct selling, etc. Uh, the auction system has proven itself over years and um, it's still a viable proposition here and I don't see why we should be forced to move. There is talk about Mortlake. Mortlake has turned into a pretty uh, viable store sale option but their Monday sale with their prime sale their numbers are just, you know, 300 is big uh, yarding of Mortlake on a, on a Monday and I can't see how there's any advantage in that. As I mentioned, we did have to actually leave the canteen. So Jim Dukas, you're also here with us, another young man that I've pulled out of the, uh, out of the canteen. What about the social implications of closing these sale yards? It's going to have a huge impact. As you know, you've been to the canteen and everybody here today is here for a reason. Either they're selling or they intend to buy. Warrnambool also has a uh, very strong calf market and what you might call the young wheeler market. And it's people come from all over. I've met people here from Bacchus Marsh and Colac and Horsham that come down to buy calves. I mean, I buy calves sometimes just for my nephews and nieces to rear. And that alone is a social day because you can have up to 100 people in the calf market and when you look at the canteen, people come here to catch up with other people, especially when COVID was on. You know, they came in here because there was the, the only outlet and it's going to have a huge impact. Now, I know the council, one of city, don't care about that too much, but the effect on the market and, and the figures that they came out with at the meeting on Monday are just not true. You know, I, I ch do challenge those figures, and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people there who challenge those figures. I've been on the Sally Yards reference group for a long, long time, and 
true. It's been the, the guards, the yards have been neglected for a long time. The maintenance hasn't been done, but it should have been done, and it hasn't got to the stage that it's in total disrepair. They talk about millions of dollars, five million plus to build a roof. With government funding and grants, it'd be a lot less. I mean, it wouldn't take much to get this up to a, uh, a brand new set of yards. They talk about Mordlake being brand new. Well, it's not brand new anymore. Uh, everything works here better. If you compare, they all talk Mordlake. If you compare Warnable to Mordlake, this is a better selling operation. Everything works a lot smoother in Warnable than Mordlake. And you only got to talk to the buyers about that, and they'll agree. So um, it can be done if they want to do it, but apparently they don't want to do it. And we have to ask ourselves, why do they want the yards closed? It can, it has been profitable, and it can be still remain profitable. And even more profitable if it was um, upgraded a bit. You get a few more uh, clients back here. But there's alternative reasons, I think, why they want to close, but they won't divulge those. As you can hear, Warwick, uh, people here are quite disappointed by the decision. I did speak with a lot of other farmers and agents and uh, other industry professionals in the canteen who didn't want to talk on the radio, but certainly the sentiment from everyone I've spoken to so far here today is that this is the wrong decision and they're quite disappointed. Um, I will just emphasise the fact that the, the council has said that they don't think this is a, uh, it would be a viable business decision to maintain the yarns, and as you can hear, that's not passing the pub test for a few people here in Warrnambool today. I'll uh, let you get back to the program because I want to go back into the canteen and have some of that delicious looking food. So uh, back to you in the studio, Warwick. Yeah, uh, canteen food on a borrowed time. Thanks, Jane. Jane McNaughton there, our reporter at the Warrnambool Sale Yards, which Council has voted to close. You can give us your thoughts on that. And remember, you can always email us as well, countryhour at abc.net.au if you'd like to send us an email. Uh, Got some really interesting market information on the way for you shortly. Just before we get there, uh, some other interesting news from the cattle industry. A new national lobby group to represent the grass-fed cattle industry is facing legal action in the Supreme Court of Queensland. Yesterday, a civil matter brought forward by Queensland-based Cattle Producers Australia, or CPA, alleges Cattle Council of Australia, which is CCA, illegitimately took over the reform process of uh, the cattle industry looking for grass-fed representation. Uh, Cattle Producers Australia, those who are bringing forward the matter, uh, their chair, Paul Wright, explained to the Country Hour its reasons for the legal challenge. The the vote that took place within the Cattle Council was was only a Cattle Council-sponsored vote. It wasn't a levy payer-sponsored vote at all. They were voting on a draft constitution that uh, was certainly not approved by the Restructured Steering Committee, which was the industry-appointed body to oversee the reform process. Now, nominations for board positions on Cattle Australia actually opened on Friday after the official start of the Cattle Australia Constitution. Partner with Creevy Horrell Lawyers, Dan Creevy, says this process won't be affected by the legal action. Yes, the process continues. Um, We were able to get an urgent hearing so that uh, the matter can be determined by the court, so it's before the court uh, on the 29th and 30th, and Her Honour Justice Brown will hear the matter then. Okay, so business as usual in terms of nominations for board positions, and last week on Friday, the Constitution for Cattle Australia was officially started. That's still in place? That's correct. Nothing's had to come to a stop? No, no. 
That's partner with Creevy Horrell lawyers Dan Creevy speaking there. The ABC's contacted the Cattle Council of Australia for comment, uh, but legal action is being undertaken in the new in the Supreme Court of Queensland, I should say, uh, to prevent really the the beginnings of Cattle Australia, a new representative group. If you want to know the details of that Cattle Australia and what it was intending to do prior to this legal action, we've spoken about that in the past on the country. You can go and listen to that in our podcast wherever you find your podcast. Just before we move on to markets, well, actually, let me play this thing first. Got some livestock information for you. Ron Rutledge is on the line, livestock agent, with news about uh, the sheep and lamb drawer at Wagga, and it sounds massive, Ron. What can you tell us? Thank you. Good afternoon, Warwick. Uh, the agents at Wagga have drawn for 107,050 lamb, sheep and lambs today. There's 83,000 approximate lambs and 23,000 mutton, which is a, a huge number of sheep and lambs for, for one centre. That's massive. Is, is there word on whether that's a record? Oh, let's wait to see. That will probably trim off just because of yarding capacity uh, between now and tomorrow. But certainly it's, uh, it's right up there and you know, three or four fine days, it's amazing what it brings out. Yeah, 107,000. What has brought so many sheep and lambs to the market? Oh, flooding is probably the primary thing. Flooding uh, to the north of Forbes has made all the Forbes uh, lambs come south. And certainly uh, access, road accessibility. Some people only have one choice and go to Wagga. So it has become the epicentre for sheep and lambs uh, throughout the eastern seaboard for the, for the last uh, month or six weeks. And it's just continuing tomorrow. Really quickly, do you think it'll test prices, such a big draw? Well, if you study economics, it's demand and supply, Warwick, and, uh, you know, the supply is certainly uh, at its peak at the moment, so it will test the uh, the demand process, yes. We'll have to watch it from here, but 107,000 expected at uh, Wagga Sheep and Lambs sale tomorrow. Ron Rutledge, thank you very much for providing that information. Thank you, Warren. Ron Rutledge there with the draw. 107,500 sheep and lambs for sale at Wagga tomorrow. We'll bring you that information. Let's bring you today's markets, though. We're just that warnable. Let's go back there now to the cattle market report with Shiona Lamb. Good afternoon. Agents penned 602 cattle, 253 more to a week ago. The offering consisted of mostly cows and growing cattle. A better quality run of younger cattle was offered. However, the market had mixed results across all categories. Young cattle sold firm to six softer. Heavy beef cows sold to 10 cheaper, while the dairy cows slipped 20 cents. Beef bulls sold firm to eight better, and the dairy bulls slipped 20. Veals sold 500 to 572, mostly selling to restockers. Yearlings to the trade 445 to 485. Feeders and restockers paid 465 to 520 cents for the better quality. Manufacturing crossbred steers made 360 to 441, holding firm, and the dairy steers sold 320 to 390 to be 25 cents cheaper. Heavy grain steers sold to the trade 450 to 488 for the better quality, and a lighter planer type sold 380 to 400 cents, slipping 20 cents in places. Heavy beef cows made 370 to 420, medium weight cows 310 to 350, and the lighter piney cows 202 to 285 cents. Heavy dairy cows sold 280 to 360 for the light, and the lighter weights sold 140 to 320 cents a kilo. Beef bulls 330 to 406, and the dairy bulls 180 to 350 cents a kilo. 
This is Shiona Lamb at Warnable for MLA. Thanks, Shiona. Let's go to Lee and Gaffer now, another town that's had big news come its way today. Brendan Fletcher's there. Good afternoon, Brendan. G'day, Warwick. There were 590 more at 1400 with the usual buys operating in a cheaper market. Quality improved with more finish throughout and a smaller proportion of cows. Trade cattle were mixed. Bullocks eased 10 cents. Manufacturing steers lost 15. Heavy beef cows sold firm, while dairy lots gave back 10 to 25 cents, with processors loading cows for an estimated 609 to 795 cents a kilogram carcass weight. Heavy bulls lifted 10 to 15. Ground steers and bullocks sold from 468 to 501. Heavy Friesian steers 374 to 420. The crossbreds 418 to 499. Most light and medium weight cows 192 to 380. Heavyweights 300 to 430. Heavy bulls 358 to 416. This is Brendan Fletcher reporting for MLA. Thanks for that, Brendan. Let's go to the sheep and lamb market reports now. We'll go to Hamilton. Take it away, Chris Agnew. Thanks, Warwick. There was a dramatic increase in the numbers offered at Hamilton this week to 22,745, and comprising in this was 13,000 new season slams. The regular field of buyers plus two major supermarkets attended. The market was softer for general trade lambs up to 26 kilos, as well as lambs back to the paddock. However, dearer for the heavier export lambs, over 26 kilos, buy up to $15 per head. Top suckers made up to $239. The new season's light lambs, 12 to 16, made from $42 to $61. 18 to 22 kilo trade lambs, at $128 to $174. And the trade lambs, 22 to 26, made from $160 to $235. These averaged around 730 to 780 cents a kilogram carcass weight. Heavy lambs over 26 kilos averaged between 758 to 850 cents. At Hamilton, this is Chris Agnew reporting for MLA. Lucky last today's Horsham Sheep with Graham Palmer. Good afternoon, Graham. Good afternoon, everyone. Largest yarding for some time at Horsham saw 24,050 yarded. Rising 18,700 lambs and 5,300 sheep. Quality range from plain to very good, but not the weight of previous yardings. The usual buying group pretended and operating with less urgency in an easier market. At times back 10 to $15 a head on last week. Medium and heavy trade weight lambs sold from 180 to 214. Heavier weight sold from 198 to $228. Old lambs reached 220. Merino lambs mostly sold from 111 to 131. Restockers are active and paid from 76 to 150 and paid from 40 to 76 for the lighter lots. There's 5,300 sheep still to be sold. Light trade weight lamb sold from 140 to 170, averaging 760 to 820. Medium trade weights sold from 180 to 195, they've averaged 750 to 800. Export weight lamb sold from 192 to 228, ranging from 720 to 800 cents. Heavy hoggets made to 201. And Graham Palmer at Horsham from LA. Thanks very much for that, Graham. We just got in there with the country hour today. A reminder, Matthew Guy will be on the program tomorrow, the leader of the opposition in Victoria, talking about his pitch for rural and regional voters. Uh, sorry I didn't get to all the texts today. I'll try and include some of them tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. It's coming up to one o'clock.